Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome back aboard the New Scientist Escape Pod. It's episode four. Hello. Yes, this is the fourth orbit of the Escape Pod, the podcast that is all about distraction and peculiar things. I'm Anna Deming, New Scientist Features Editor. And I'm Timothy Revel, New Scientist's Comment and Culture Editor. And I'm Rowan Hooper, I'm Podcast Editor. This week's theme is mass. That is, it's about stuff. Mass as in matter. And as is becoming typical of the show, we've got three completely different takes on it. Yes, I'll be looking at what mass is from a cosmological perspective. And I'm going to talk about just what a pain it is to get a standard definition of your everyday, family-friendly lump of mass, the kilogram. (laughs) And I'm going to talk about fairies. Uh, I'm literally away with the fairies this week. Uh, It's a group of insects called fairy wasps. It's the flying animal with the smallest mass in the world. Ooh. (laughs) Uh, Fairy wasps are calcid wasps, uh, and the smallest is only 150 micrometres long. So that's 0.15 millimetres long, uh, which is about the diameter of a human hair. This smallest one is a Hawaiian parasitic wasp called kikikihuna, which is uh, from the Hawaiian word meaning tiny bit. Uh, There's actually another, on the theme of nice names, there's another microscopic insect in the same family called Tinkerbella nana. Tinkerbell after the fairy in Peter Pan. These sound pretty cool, um, but I guess what we really want to know is what's its mass? Yeah, well, actually, no one's that sure because they're they're so small, they're pretty hard to weigh. But uh, people think they're about one forty thousandth of a gram. That's tiny. Yeah. You'd imagine you can just float away if you weigh so little. Yeah, well, that's the thing. So uh, I think the physics of flight is is different when you're that small, almost. So, you know, all actively flying things from aircraft to bats and birds and other insects, they've got broad wings that generate lift. But these fairy wasps are so small, their wings are more like rods with little hairs on them. So if you imagine a, a tiny wooden spoon, the wings are shaped like that, but with bristles coming out. Like a spoon, they kind of stir the air, and that's how they fly. And they don't actually fly very far, to be fair. And But it's almost, I kind of imagine them crawling through the air with these bristle wings, like dragging themselves through the air as if it's treacle. So I'll post a picture of them on Twitter, and you can see the wings. It's, you know, it's an electron micrograph because they're so small, you can't take a normal photo of them. Um, and you can just see this incredible, beautiful 
tiny little insect with these bristle wings. The other thing that's nice about them isn't something like the lichen we talked about the other day. You know, this is not something you can really go out and look at in your garden, but they are there at the back of your garden, like like actual fairies. There really are fairies there. Um, <laughs> they're, they're everywhere. There's thousands of species of them and they're all over the place. And uh, a bonus, a little bonus fact about these things, the males are known as degenerate males. I didn't say that, by the way. I didn't say males were degenerate. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if we were still on wasps. <laughs> well, it's not that kind of degenerate. Um, in biology, it just means it's lost some of its functions. Um, and the males of these things are even smaller than the females. They, they don't fly. In fact, some of them never even come out of the eggs they hatch into. Because they're parasitic, they are laid themselves into the eggs of other insects and they spend their whole lives in there, like mating and dying inside the other insect's egg without even coming out. Oh, sounds like a prison. It's actually getting perilously close to not being a nice escape pod again, Rowan. <laughs> yeah, OK. Well, yeah, the point is, is that there are, you know, there is huge amounts of biodiversity that goes unnoticed because it's so tiny. It's under your noses. It's under normal visual range. But it's so important. And... There are fairies at the bottom of your garden. I don't know how to follow fairies at the bottom of your garden. (laughs) I can't wait to talk to my daughter about that. But I, I, I think if you take mass to the other extreme say, astrophysical and cosmological scales, it it also gets quite exciting. So you might think of mass as the stuff that weighs you down in everyday life. It's the stuff that makes it harder to get up off the sofa, literally the weight on your shoulders and so on. When you get a lot of mass, really interesting things start to happen. So how much is a lot in this context? More than, you know, is weighing me down in my bed in the morning? Yeah. We're talking a lot of fairy wasps. <laughs> so, say, um, let's just talk about hydrogen atoms. So, these are this small, the simplest atoms you can get. It's just a proton and an electron. You get enough of these together, then the gravitational force that pulls any massive object together will squish them so close together that you get them so squished tightly that the hydrogen nuclei start to fuse into helium, and this generates vast amounts of energy. And that is the little twinkle in your eye you stake your dreams on when you wish upon a star. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So mass isn't what holds us down at all. It's what gives us our flights of fancy. And it also helps ground us too. You know when you, if you're feeling a bit overwhelmed or whatever, when you look out on a clear night and see all the stars, it can really put things in perspective. Yes, I do that quite a lot, actually. I've got a telescope and even in my London bedroom, I can see some great things in the stars when you look up. Yeah. And then, of course, gravity doesn't stop there. So it's pulling all the matter together and making stars. But And it keeps us in orbit around our star and pulls us, but it also pulls the stars together into collections, into galaxies. And those galaxies attract each other, too, into galactic clusters. It's actually one of my favourite lines in any physics book. Um, it's got to be the final lectures, volume one, chapter seven, for anyone who wants to look it up. <laughs> I'll just look <laughs> it, that up now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's where he gets onto gravity and there's a caption under an image of a globular star cluster. Now, normally talking about this on a podcast would be losing heats because astrophysical images are so beautiful and wow. And, but 
This was published in 1963, so it's just little white specks against a black background, and the specks are getting significantly more dense towards the centre till it's like just a splurge of white. And under that, Feynman writes, If one cannot see gravitation acting here, he has no soul. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. So we're talking mass and gravity and soul, baby. So, of course, we haven't even got onto what makes up most of the mass of the universe. And that's the stuff we can't see. So that's dark matter. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. You know what dark matter is then? Does anybody? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is a trick question. I'll just work that out after breakfast. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> if anyone listening genuinely knows what dark matter is, there are a lot of people who would love to hear from you. It's, it's one of the greatest outstanding problems in physics. It got dreamed up when astrophysicists, re- they were calculating the masses of objects in distant galaxies and there's a couple of ways you can do this the mass is calculated based on luminosity of objects this neat little equation that gives you that and then there's masses calculated from the speed of objects on their trajectories and you can imagine how that would fall out of solving newton's laws of motion under gravity in a slightly more complicated cosmological way but the masses they calculated this way weren't equating. They, uh, they weren't adding up with each other, leading them to the conclusion that there must be massive objects out there that they couldn't see. So they called it dark matter. And there are now a host of issues with cosmological theories that just don't work out without invoking dark matter. It's actually really embarrassing, isn't it, that no one knows what dark matter is? <laughs> well, it's really irregular stuff. It's not just that we can't see it. We can't apply the standard model of physics as we know it, to dark matter. It just doesn't work. So this is the standard model of physics, the golden child of explaining everything there is to understand in the universe, how particles and forces interact and make protons, make people and everything. But it can't explain dark matter. So if the stuff that was obeying the rules of standard model, you'd you'd think you'd be able to see it if it was obeying the rules of the standard model. So all these unknowns aren't for want of trying. Possible theories for dark matter are legion. It's just, you know, trying to pin down something that, according to the laws of physics, as you know it, just doesn't seem to be there, is no picnic. (laughs) (laughs) So physicists are literally tearing their hair out, trying to explain something they may never be able to detect directly. Tanda Prescott-Weinstein has a nice line on it in her book coming out in April. She calls it, it's to work on understanding dark matter is an act of faith. Oh, lovely. A little sneak peek of a review to come there, Anna. Yeah, yeah, that's something to look out for in April. (laughs) We've got Richard Feynman talking about the soul, and we've got Chandler (laughs) talking about an act of faith, you know. (laughs) That's good. So how much stuff is out there? Well, we're not, this is not just a, a little marginal adjustment to the masses we're talking about. The latest line in theoretical cosmology is that 80% of matter is dark matter. So only 20% of matter behaves according to the standard model, like you and me, this microphone and our listeners and so on. And then if you start taking dark energy into account, you realise there's only 25% of the stuff in the universe is actually matter at all. And the rest is dark energy. Dark energy uh, now. I know, that's just going. (laughs) (laughs) You're just making it up. (laughs) I think that's probably for another podcast. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, so... Theorists are now thinking only 5% of matter in the universe is the sort of stuff you and I are made of. So next time you're not feeling so special, bear that in mind, (laughs) that we are massively in the minority. On cosmological scales, we're all special. 
This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. But Tim, you've got more exciting things on your mind with mass. What have you got? Well, where would mass be without the kilogram? <laughs> and so before you turn away in boredom, I think it's one of those um, things that sounds really dull, but is actually really fascinating. Mm-hmm. And almost everything I know about what we know about the kilogram, I stole from a talk I saw at New Scientist Live a few years ago by two people from the National Physical Laboratory which if you don't know, the MPL is sort of the UK's Ministry of Measurements. So if you're a manufacturer and you want to make sure your measurements are extremely accurate, they're the ones you go to. It sounds like a, a Harry Potter ministry when you say, that, say it like I that. I know, yeah. The yeah ministry of Measurements. They should actually call it that. <laughs> they should rename, yeah. <laughs> so the, when I saw this talk, which was only in 2018, the way we defined a kilogram was completely different to what it is now. So in 2018, we referenced all kilograms from this lump of metal in Paris called Le Grand K. <laughs> Great. Um, which I just, Sounds like it's, a, it's, a Jean Reno movie. <laughs> yeah, it's got such a silly name. And it's just such a silly idea that, you know, every kilogram in the world is based on this lump of metal in Paris. And so there were copies of it. So NPL, they had their own copy, which was less ambitiously called kilogram number 18. Um, uh, and yeah, and they kept that in um, southwest London. But one of the things I really remember from this talk was Purdy Williams, who was one of the people who gave the talk. She told this really funny story about when she was using kilogram number 18 to calibrate some, you know, precise measurement. And this was, you know, she's quite a young woman, she had orange hair, describing this story next to the other guy who was giving the talk, who was like, who'd been there sort of 50 years or something. So they were real, like, pair these two. And as she was describing this story, it was just so funny. So on one of her first days at NPL, she was given the task of calibrating something um, using these extremely minuscule weights. So there she is sitting at her desk, a weight in front of her so small she could barely see it, about to begin the calibration. And she sort of takes one big breath, exhales, (laughs) and then it was gone. (laughs) This tiny, extremely expensive weight was no longer on the table. And honestly, it's basically impossible to see this thing. And I felt sort of part, I I did feel really sorry for her, but she's found it funny now. So she'd obviously got over it. Um, And to find it, she had to put on this pair of magnifying goggles and then crawl around on the floor for basically hours looking for this absolutely minuscule weight. And the sort of thing we're talking about here was 200 micrograms, which is like 0.0002 grams. 
So I'm getting close to the time. fairy wasp now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's even harder than finding a fairy wasp at the end of your garden. But she did eventually find it and could finish the calibration, but it just sort of tells you how difficult <laughs> getting a precise measurement of a kilogram is. Uh, there must be a better way of doing it than that, isn't there? Yeah, so I got, got slightly sidetracked, but let's return to Le Grand K. Um, because this, the system was rubbish for many reasons. So another reason was whenever they got out the um, Le Grand K, just touching it or it sitting there with a bit of dust changed what its mass was, but it didn't do it in a predictable way and they couldn't. Uh, so they knew the kilogram was constantly changing, but there was basically nothing they could do about it until um, 2019 when it all changed. So we came up with a new way to define the kilogram. And so instead of being limp- linked to this metal Parisian lump, it's now linked to a constant of the universe. Makes more sense. Yeah, it makes a lot more sense. And it means you don't need to rely on one thing. Anyone in principle can measure the mass of a kilogram. But describing how it works is is actually quite tricky. So I thought I'd perhaps tell you about length first, and then we can sort of wave our hands in the air a bit for mass. Because with length, it's quite simple. So with length, it used to be just as silly that there used to be a sort of stick in Paris that was how we measured the length of a meter. <laughs> the grand uh, stick. Yeah, Le Grand Stick. I don't actually know what it was called, but probably something like that. And then we changed it so that to define a meter, we use the speed of light in a vacuum, which we know is a constant of the universe. So roughly a meter is the distance that light can travel in a tiny fraction of a second. So roughly about the distance that it travels in one three hundred millionth of a second. So obviously that's really, that's a very small amount of time that that takes. But in principle, if you've got good enough equipment, anyone can check this anywhere in the world. You don't need to go and find the stick in Paris to do it. But for the kilogram, it turned out the kilogram was the last of like the standard units to get a universal constant as part of its definition, because it's one of the trickiest. And it uses the Planck constant, which is this sort of constant that describes the smallest possible packet of energy. And so I won't I won't go into the details, but basically you need a very spherical ball of silicon, a measuring device called a kibble balance, and you need to be able to measure the Planck constant. But if you've got all of that, then you can determine exactly the mass of a kilogram anywhere in the world. Mm, I'm wondering whether finding these microscale masses on the floor might be. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's really tricky. Like At the time when they switched to this new definition, there were only two kibble balances in the world. So it's quite it's quite a tricky thing to produce. But now that it's like the standard, it will become a lot easier. And eventually it will be the sort of thing that most countries will be able to um, precisely measure the kilogram. So what's happened to the actual Le Grand K? I suspect it's in a museum, but I don't know. Maybe it's it's gone on a grand holiday. <laughs> <laughs> Retirement. We'd all like to do go on a holiday. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. Now that's all for this week. Yep, that's all for this week's Escape Pod. We'll be back next week, so do subscribe and tell everyone about the Escape Pod, and get in touch on Twitter at New Scientist Pod. And you can also get a discount subscription to New Scientist if you go to newscientist.com slash escape12. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. This podcast is produced by Ollie Giyu Podcast Production. Find out more at ogpodcasts.co.uk. Hold up. 
Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.